0: to the American Scouser Podcast. I am your host, Timuchin, as always, from Chicago. And with me today is one of our regulars, Mr. Bickler, is with us back in action. How is it going, Paul?
1: Hey, man. Uh, anytime that I get to watch the French lose at anything, I'm always doing fantastic.
0: It has been an amazing day of soccer. So we'll get to all these games, probably, especially like today's games. We're just... Which is crazy, but it's been, yeah, it feels like the tournament is picking up finally. And with us, like we had last week, is Galley Chris Gallivan is with us. What's going on, man?
2: How much. Hey, guys. Good to be back. And uh, I got a second Paul's statement there. My day was made when Mbappe missed that shot and uh, made me laugh, made me smile. And uh, it's going to be a great podcast.
0: Yeah, it's almost like you knew it was going to happen, too, when it was coming to that ball. It's just like always the superstar at the very end misses. And yeah, you kind of saw it. But we'll get to all that. Let's do our trivia first. We're missing Jamie this week, so we don't have this quick 60 seconds going here. But... We do have the trivia, and I don't think anybody's getting this one. Uh, We're sticking with the Euro theme again. So we had some crazy games, a lot of goals today. Uh, We are recording this on the 28th at night uh, on a Monday after two crazy games of the Euros. So a lot of goals which made me come up with this trivia. Which game had the most goals scored in a match in a Euro? Kind of doubt you guys are going to get this unless you guys happen to watch this, which is highly doubtful. How about let's go with this because you guys might get this most goals scored in a game by one team as a partial credits? Uh, I'll go seven. Seven. Okay. I'm not even going to ask if you can guess the team or anything like that because <laughs> you just pulled that one out of your head. <laughs> Okay, that's not bad. What do you have, Chris? That's not a bad guess, I guess. Let's go with your guess.
2: It's not a bad guess at all. And this is uh, either The Price is Right or one of these shows. I have no choice but to go up in that manner. And I guess I will go eight, and I'll just toss out there Germany.
0: Okay. So we'll get back to the answer over here later on in the podcast, but let's start talking some football. Uh, Let's start with today's games, I guess. I mean... uh, it has been it's becoming more and more unpredictable thank gods and i know i went through like when i did like the the first 16 i was looking at like the games that i thought the teams would win and already there has been a couple of upsets to what i thought would happen but paul let's start with you which one is the bigger upset for you netherlands or france Uh
1: man that's a good one um I'd say France is the bigger upset for sure. I mean, the Czech or like France losing, you know, in my opinion, would be the bigger upset because I think, to me, the Czech Republic has given a lot of teams problems, uh, and the Netherlands were expected to do well, but I don't know if they were expected to do that well. Um, I mean, France is the defending world champion, so for me, that's that's
0: that's who I would go with. I mean, was I the only one? Like, did any either of you guys had Croatia beating Netherlands? I don't think anybody had Switzerland beating France, I assume. But did, like, like Gally, did you anticipate Croatia pulling a stunner like that?
2: I, I didn't see Croatia winning that game uh, or, or, or really the Czechs winning, honestly. I wasn't as high on Netherlands going into the tournament, and I thought they had such a weak draw that I couldn't really tell who they were from their group play. So I wasn't as shocked that they didn't play well. I was a little bit more
0: shocked in the fact of how they lost the match. Yeah, I mean, so far we've had Denmark pretty much handle Wales comfortably, it looked like. And I know, I'm assuming most neutrals at this point have a soft spot for Denmark after what they've been through. Uh, So it's definitely nice to see them kind of like moving on. Italy, I assume most people expect them to move through a lot easier than. They did against Austria. I did not think Austria would put as much of a fight. And what did you guys think of the Belgium Portugal game, Paul? Did Belgium. you have Portugal in that one or Belgium? Uh, I had Belgium in that one just because I feel like
1: Portugal always goes out one round sooner than they should. Uh, but uh, I mean, Belgium's a good team. I mean, I, that was a tough one. I mean, for me, that was a push. There are two super evenly matched teams. I just thought Belgium was going to get it done in the end, and, and they did. Um, so that one kind of played out very similar to how I thought it would be. I thought it would be a lower scoring sort of tight game.
0: How about you, Gally? Did you have Belgium or Portugal for that one?
2: I was pulling for Portugal. Uh, lots of friends and family that are Portuguese, uh, rooting for them. I'm not a huge fan of the Belgian team, and I thought that the combination of Ronaldo and Jota might actually be able to get at that 145 year old back line of Belgium. Um, but they held it up well. They, you know, Jota just missed that clear shot early. I mean, the match could have been completely different if he snatches at that. Like, we've seen him so many times and goes near post, and they catch that one Nothing lead. I just think that the Belgium, they responded. They took their goal. um, But those injuries, it's going to be trouble for them in the next round if De Bruyne can't play.
0: I think so, too. I mean, that team is full of talent. There are a lot of teams full of talent, but obviously France is probably the biggest one, and I thought it was kind of un- very typical of them that game today. Where mine has, mind you, if something kind of like, you know, scores that penalty and it's up two, I can see them actually falling apart. That penalty save kind of like gets them going again. And you see what they probably should be for like 10, 15 minutes there in terms of like, you know, they show their quality. And then it felt like job done. So they sat back and then never recover from that. But definitely two great games. I mean, Spain kind of looked like they had that game under control. So they have that like huge blunder goal, but then they come back. And then, I mean, I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't expect Croatia. I mean, not Croatia. uh, I didn't expect, yeah, it is Croatia, uh, to come back on that game either. I thought when it was 3-1, that was a done deal, but some like great comebacks there. So before we kind of like recap the whole thing, obviously the biggest there are like two games tomorrow that I feel like can go either way. So Bickler, let's start with you, England, Germany, Sweden, Ukraine. Who do you got going there? Um, I think the Germans
1: are going to get it done. I think this is far from their strongest team. And I think that is an aging team. That's why I picked them third in the, like when we did our predictions, I picked them to go out of their group third. Um, but I think they've got enough to get past England right now. Um, England's just one of those teams, you know, they're like star-studded all the time. There's all this talk, but they just don't play well together. I have no faith in Southgate's tactical ability to make any sort of adjustments to problems that happen. Um, He'll probably get the starting lineup wrong. Um, I just think the Germans are too good. Um, I think they'll go through. Sweden-Ukraine's a tricky one for me because I picked Ukraine to be the dark horse um, of this tournament. Um, however, they haven't won away from home in eight games and they haven't looked great this tournament. So, um, and Sweden, on the other hand, has looked really tough. So I think Sweden's
0: probably going to go through on that one. How about you, Gally? What do you got on those three games?
2: I'll start with the second game. Cause like Paul, I, I, I picked Ukraine like them, uh, but haven't liked what I've seen. So I think that, uh, I think Sweden will go through. I think they're more organized. I think they'll find a way to get a goal. And I just think that they've shown that they're a very a very organized and professional outfit that can compete with anyone on this, on this level. They're not going to win this tournament, but they can move on. As far as England goes, um, I agree again with Paul. It's not going to do me many favors on this podcast, but I would agree with him to the fact that Southgate will get this wrong. He will get it epically wrong. He'll get everything wrong. And what I mean by that is, is Right now, the only way at Germany is to embarrass a once proud and great Matt Hummels by running at him. And I don't think Harry Kane could outrun me right now because he looks like he's carrying a refrigerator on his back and about $150 million pound transfer to Manchester City or anywhere but Spurs. And if I had a chance to get the hell away from Spurs, that'd be the topic on my mind too. But he won't start Sterling in a false nine or play Foden through the middle and do anything intricate which could get Sancho running at people and really causing problems for the back line uh, of Germany. He also won't start Jordan Henderson tomorrow and put some real leadership on the pitch. He's not going to start Jude Bellingham. So ultimately he has game changers and he won't change the game. He'll go out there with his regular guys and maybe mix in Kieran Trippier. And Kieran Trippier is not beating Germany.
0: Yeah, I think we're all in agreement here. I I go for Germany, too, just because I know they haven't played their best throughout the tournament, except maybe like for that one game. Uh, I just feel like they they kind of like know how to play these games, how to play tournaments overall, a lot of experience and a lot of experience who knows how to win. And the Southgate factor by itself kind of like is in the favor of Germany. So uh, if Jamie was here, he'd be very happy that we're all kind of like saying Germany is going to win. Uh, And I do agree with Sweden. I actually thought before today that sweden poland game was probably one of the best games of the tournament uh, in terms of like pace and, you know, attacking football and stuff like that. But uh, today was like, I think because of the stakes today, it was like a lot better games going here. But so do you guys have anyone you are rooting for? like horse in the race if you will Paul
1: uh, that's a no for me dog uh, no I just want to see some good football uh, my team is kind of the Netherlands they're done um, and I think they deserve to be done just on the base you know the red card changed that match but the bottom line is they hadn't had a shot and goal in 55 minutes and they're getting dominated um, so I'm just here for some good storylines and you know honestly that's what's beautiful about about soccer football this is this is chess, not checkers. I mean, in like, so for me in this tournament with a lot of the blue bloods out with most sports that gets like, you want to see those underdogs go through until you get towards the end. And then you want to see your big teams. I think it's sort of the opposite with soccer and football where like a lot of these matches get more interesting when you have teams like the Czech Republic and some of the smaller teams making deep runs. So, um, I'm just here for the storylines. I think there's some really interesting possibilities coming through. Um, I don't know if it's prediction time, but I will tell you that I think that it's Italy's tournament to lose at this point. They look so, so strong, um, and some of the eliminations today um, really helped them. And it's almost – they're catching Belgium at the right time on top of it.
0: How about you, got Anybody that you're rooting for? Yeah, so
2: I, I'm uh, – my mother is 50-50 Irish and Italian, and, you know, to mine and Jamie's pain, the Irish couldn't muster up the ability to show up for this tournament. So I would have to say that I came in rooting for Italy, uh, not knowing exactly what to expect. As I always joke with people, I'm American-born, so I root for the United States. And then I usually root for my Irish uh, descent because they like to party. And then I always had the Italians to fall back on because they're always in it and usually a competitor, except for in the last World Cup where I had no one to root for. It was the World Cup, which was a rejection of Galley. Um, but in all seriousness, I am... With Paul, I believe Italy should win this tournament. I think that Italy will beat Belgium. And then whether they get Spain or the Swiss, I think they have a really good shot. And uh, I think that if Italy doesn't win this tournament, it will be by their own doing, not because uh, they weren't the best side left in.
0: I think personally, I kind of want to see Denmark keep going. After being screwed and being wronged, I mean, we talked in length on that, you know, the episode where we talked a lot about Ericsson. Uh, So I kind of, like, want to see them going further. I would, I mean, I don't know if they could, I mean, I doubt they would win. But I think that's why, you know, we talked about this uh, in one of the pods, Paul, like, why we like or don't like these tournaments. And like you're saying, like, every tournament, there's always one or two teams who have, may not be favorites, may not have the best players but are in like, as Klopp would say, in the good moments. And, you know, they're like, kind of like clicking and, you know, they, every team has one or two, like, you know, main guys, even if they're not like superstars and everybody's basically doing their role and stuff. It's like, kind of like a fun to root for them. Kind of like Denmark is uh, kind of like Switzerland and stuff like that. I mean, anything is possible because all these guys, I mean, all these teams have quality players. I mean, I know when, I mean, like Turkey was coming, we're like, hey, you know, th- this is a different team. They're all in good leagues and stuff. And you look at every freaking team, really, I mean, everybody's players, none of them are, especially from the smaller countries, none of them are really playing in their own countries. Most of them are playing in like the bigger leagues, like, you know, England, Spain and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm, I would love to see Denmark win this thing. But I'm thinking at the moment, Germany. I do agree. Italy looks really good. I'm just trying to go against the grain just to piss you guys off. But no, uh, seriously, I think Germany has the capability when they click and they do have the players to do it. So uh, if they get past tomorrow, um, but I agree Italy has like a nice route going there too. It's kind of like interesting to know that either, you know, Czech Republic or Denmark is going to be in the semifinals. And I don't think a lot of people would have guessed that going into it and heck Switzerland being in the quarterfinal, I would have never guessed. I thought Turkey made him look good, but France made him look even better. So what do you guys make of this whole storylines? I think that's an
1: understandable pick from you because I know that you've been too busy responding to fan mail from Finland to like actually watch Italy, you know, Um, after you went in on the Finns for about three weeks.
2: So I know, know. hopefully we don't have a lot of... You're lucky you weren't sent off. You (laughs) you left it on the whole entire country.
0: (laughs) And hopefully we don't have a lot of listeners from Finland. If we do, we don't anymore. The American Skazers
1: banned in one country already, at least.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure at least they're turning it down when I speak. But hey, it is what it is. They shouldn't have celebrated after that goal. I still stand by my story. So Uh, so talking about storylines, Paul, if you like a good storyline, nothing beats... Mbappe who was deep to be including myself probably one of the stars of this tournament steps up to the crucial penalty and not that it was a bad penalty but obviously misses it so what do you make of that story can we get him for like 20 million or yeah something? so
1: my first reaction to him missing was is he cheaper now um like so like I don't know. I mean, that's going to be the story of the tournament, right? Dude's a stud. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, he's not – anyone would be lucky to have him on the team, obviously, and I don't think it's going to affect uh, much of anything. Um, You know, that's going to be interesting for him mentally. That's for sure. I mean, that's going to be um, something that he's going to have to internally process and deal with, and we'll see what comes of that. Um, But he doesn't seem to be a guy that's, like, short on uh, confidence. So I don't expect that will be – an issue he's just got too much I think he's got too much skill like even if he's mentally struggles with that it's going to override anything that you see from that um but I don't I mean and Mbappe kind of writes his own stories right it's manufactured at this point when you look at the wages and the transfer and is he going to end up at Real Madrid is Liverpool really interested all that stuff kind of writes itself um I can't help. I think we could afford them from a transfer standpoint in terms of the fee. Um, the wages, to me, I just can't help but see how we get over that. Even if we sell somebody off the top three, uh, starting top of front line, uh, even if we sell one of our front three players, I think that they'll, like him taking a 200% wage decrease still resets our wage structure. So I just don't know how we get around that, like the bottom line. I just don't. I,
0: I just don't see how we do it. I mean, yeah, I do not see it. I mean, it would be great, I guess, in some ways. Like on paper, it would be great. And this kind of like brings me to my question. Do you guys see the kid being a team player? It's kind of hard to tell playing at PSG. And it's not like he has the greatest role model to learn from with Neymar. Uh, who probably is the second category of listeners that we lose weekly thanks to me after people from Finland is Neymar fans because I cannot stand that asshole is everything wrong with soccer in one guy is Neymar for me but so if you're a Neymar fan we just lost you anyway but let's keep going for those of us who are still with us so what do you make of that galley do you see that kid as being a team player or is he going to be that kind of guy that's going to be the I'm the star when you guys give me the ball, I'll make things happen. But, you know, in terms of tracking down and stuff, let's say we worked out all the issues that Paul is talking about in terms of money. Do you see him doing what, for example, let's say money does in terms of, you know, tracking back? I I think
2: if, if we figured out a way for him to, and for all the Millie fans out there, block your ears. If we figured out the way for for him to do the Liverpool lean after showing everyone that he'll be donning the number seven Jersey starting next season. I think that killing Mbappe would be an amazing addition to the squad. I don't know if he, I agree with Paul. I think he'd have to replace one of Mane or Salah for it to happen, but I think he would show up. I think he'd do a job. I think he'd become a Liverpool legend and I think he would be a great teammate and play. I don't know if he has it in him to do what, Paul said he'd have to do, which is give up some money or give up some time. And ultimately, if he really wants out of PSG, he has maybe two or three options. And I think all three of them would be in the Premier League because they're the only place with the money right now to pay PSG an actual fee. Madrid cannot buy him. They will not be able to pull it off with the debt they have and financial fair play. They can't do it. And they have a worse wage structure than us as far as top-heavy, for revenue-driven, plus the stadium. So if he wants to make a move, he's going to have to decide. And I personally think he's got two big moves left in him. He could come to Liverpool, play five, six seasons, and still go to Madrid at 29 in his prime, if he really wants to make that happen. Or he could go to City, or he could go to United, or go to Chelsea, or places that will stump up cash the question is what's he want and he keeps saying he wants to be part of something special and the reports he wants to play for Klopp. at some point the kid's going to put his money where his mouth is and we'll see but i think his personality will be a success he was at monaco and he has been at psg all in all and he plays with arguably the worst role model you could have in sports
0: all right we got a second neymar hater on the podcast jump in paul the water is great in the neymar hate pool Oh, Neymar. Um,
1: I You know, I agree with just about everything Gally said. Um, the one caveat I will throw on that, and, like, this is interesting, right? Because I think for me, like, there's not a lot of French players that you can say are going to come on and have a good attitude and fit right in. Just that's my feeling on how they generally tend to be. They're a little bit difficult. Um, but I, I see him as somebody that would come in and gel well with that team and have the right attitude. Like, that's not what I'm my major concern with him. Um, I will say this, and this is where I kinda differ from Gally on. It. I think we look at the outside situation on Real Madrid as a mess in the debt and all that, and I totally agree with all that. But I think Real Madrid will do everything they can to get him. And Killian has made it pretty clear from a very young age that Real was a move that he wanted to make because he liked that club and he doesn't enjoy the colder weather. So That that stuff is the stuff that makes me wonder whether he's really going to end up at Liverpool because, like you know, if you're worried about the weather, you're not coming to Liverpool, and if you want to go to Real Madrid, since you're a kid, you're going to try to make that move. And one of the other things that I see is sort of lining up. In that direction is the fact that they just got rid of Ramos, who's on huge wages. Like, he was on ridiculous wages. So that's a lot of wage money right off their book. And I wonder if we're going to see a couple of other big money, big wage names come off their books as they sort of just try to clear some sort of hole that they can plug him into. And I think they'll do that and not worry. Like, like they're basically going to say we're already a financial mess. We're going to be a financial mess with Killian if we could do it.
0: Yeah, because that almost, like, helps our financial mess in a way. I mean, you're still in the mess, but you got something to build on. And they do have some people, I think they can move to grab some money. I mean, you look at, you know, our situation, and you look at, you know, some of the players that, you know, we might sell. And, you know, unless we really sell Mo or, you know, Mane, all of them are like, you know, you could add all of them. It wouldn't bring out half the money you need probably for Mbappe. But, I mean, if you put yourself in the kid situation, I just feel like, yeah, why would he take the pay cuts if he can keep the money and still go to the club that he wants to go to, even if it is going into a mess? I mean, it is in some way, it is an easier league. Yeah, but I mean, aside from us being Liverpool fans, it's kind of hard to make a case for him to kind of like come to Liverpool aside from that. I mean, here's the thing. He'll be going to, it's not like he's going to go to like an average club. I almost feel at this point, he might end up staying at PSG for one more year. Uh, and, you know, yeah. like, kind of like, especially like this stuff is not going to help the situation anyway, but that's definitely going to be like interesting to see.
2: So that'll be great drama. Cause that'll mean that Madrid will have to decide next year, whether or not to put their eggs in Killian or put their eggs in Holland. That is And Holland is a controlled price. So, or they save their money. They buy them both and they go on Madrid on everybody. And they just say, haha, you thought we'd get one or the other. We get them both. And while you're at it, we'll sign Neymar too.
0: Yeah. It was just like a weird thing to see today. And like I say, I knew almost instantly before he even came up to the ball. I'm like, he is going to miss this. It's just kind of like, it's almost like there are certain things in like, you know, in this game that, you know, never shocks you, but there's always like certain things that always happens. Like you give up a stupid corner, that corner always turns out to be a goal or it's like, you know, it's not even a corner. That corner always turns out to be a goal and stuff like stupid things like that that keep happening over and over or it could be my stupidest way of looking at things. But let me first give you guys the answers to the trivia. So most goals scored in the match by one team was six. That was Netherlands against Yugoslavia at the time, uh, 2000. Euro, The most goals scored in a match which actually tells you like we got pretty darn close today in the games was France losing to Yugoslavia 5-4 to in 1960 which I I mean so today's games were actually mighty close to the best in terms of like high scoring I I was especially shocked I think with the Spain game. I bet you that was the
1: highest back to back games ever
0: Uh, Uh, Yeah, you know what? That will be next week's trivia. Don't (laughs) (laughs) So let's go back to Liverpool, at least to the Premier League first. First thing I want to kind of like ask you guys about the whole Benitez situation. First off, let's get this out of the way. Benitez is going to Everton. Nothing is official yet, but it almost looks like a done deal. But then again, it looked like a done deal a week ago too. So you never know with these things. Paul, let's start with you. Do you even care? Because I know some fans do, some fans don't. Where do you sit on that? I don't. But,
1: like, I'm also one of those people. I'm a non-Liverpoolian. So, like, for me, like, the derby match is intense because of how physical it is and the history behind it. But I also don't feel the same amount of venom when we play Everton that a lot of people that are local do, right? Because I don't have to live in that every day. Um so, no, it doesn't bother me um, as much him going to Everton. He loves the city. For me, he's always going to be a part of our history. Um, yeah, I don't feel super
0: strongly about him going to Everton other than I'm just sorry, man. How about you, Gally? Like, does it tarnish the like the legend or, you know, what he's done for the club for you at all, no. him going to Everton?
2: Listen, it, it doesn't tarnish it for me. They, they parted ways if, you know – they basically released him from his duties as manager of the club. He was able to go on and work. He came back and managed you know, against us for Chelsea. At the end of the day, he loves the club. He said everything right. He's done everything to represent the fight for the 96 all along and never stopped, even when he was Real Madrid manager, Napoli manager. His family has been here in Liverpool the whole time. That being said, we still hold him up like he is Rafa, 2010 and since he left liverpool he has one copa in napoli and one fa cup at chelsea we act like he's still winning the champions league with inter he managed them for 28 games and they fired he managed madrid for a year and a half so i i as much as i love what rafa did during our time and i'll never forget it, it he managed Clubs at a point where I'm not so sure that he isn't about managing at his level right now. And, and I mean that by saying he's going to be at a good club in the Premier League that's going to spend money. And by a good club, I mean they have money. They're pieces of the shit from Everton. But really, I mean, think about it. It's not like he's up for any of the top jobs anymore. And he hasn't been for four or five years. So I don't blame him for cashing in one more time and getting to sleep in his own bed with his wife. I don't
0: blame him. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the wife, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I feel like it doesn't like tarnish it, or I don't hold it against them or anything. But almost like slightly affects the way I would probably look at him ten years from now. Does that make sense? I mean, I because of I realize he's still with the city and stuff, but if you are. <sighs> I know if you're with a company and you're there for a long time and you still have like really strong ties and you've kind of like mentioned it over the years, the strong tie, almost like kind of like talking shit about the other one too, while you're doing that in a roundabout, way maybe not, you know, like directly, cause now he kind of back out of it a little bit. So it was a smart move by him to do it indirectly at the time. I feel like he will still have a lot of opportunities to go anywhere else as opposed to kind of like come back to the club that's like a direct rival in the same city and stuff like that. I mean, I know what you're saying in terms of the big payday and stuff like that. It's Like I say, I don't hold it against them. Uh, I just don't think I would probably be doing it because I would look at it a different way. But then again, I don't know. It's kind of like a different situation too. I'm just thinking of, you know, if I had several other options, I would probably pick an option that was not so directly conflicting with what i've done before but like i say i'm not at the point like where some of these guys are like i will never forgive him and stuff like that which i kind of find obnoxious which kind of brings me to today's news with the the banner and stuff like that about you know knowing where he lives and not to sign and stuff like that so when i saw the news so there's always automatically anytime something like this happens We all assume that we have all the fans that are saints and all the bad fans go to the other clubs. So immediately it was like, oh, it can't be an Everton fan. It should be a Liverpool fan. And then I saw a bunch of Liverpool fans saying, like, there is no way some Liverpool fan would do that. It must be an Everton thing. Let's get out of the way for the sake of the argument that every fan base has assholes whenever there's a large number of fans, the percentage is going to be there might be lower in certain clubs compared to others, but there's always a percentage. There's always going to be some assholes. So when you see something like that, what's your reaction, Paul? I mean, apart from disgust, I guess, you know, what do you make of that?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, I'm just sort of desensitized to the, the just ridiculousness at this point in sports, because like, I think sports is a super easy outlet for frustration and anger in unhealthy ways that are, like, more acceptable. Like, it's not healthy, but I think, you know, it's much more easy for someone to go do that than go just beat somebody up at a bar. You know what I mean? Like, it just, like, I feel like it is a natural outlet for people who are frustrated and angry and unhappy. And that's kind of what happens. Whether it's throwing water bottles at basketball games at players or throwing food, spilling drinks, spitting. um, All sorts of dumb shit happens in sports uh, with with fans. Um, Part of that's the mob mentality and part of that is just, I think it's like an easier, more acceptable format to be a dick. And like, um, as sad as that is, uh, I'm not surprised. I mean... Like, Rafa obviously didn't pick the course of least resistance in, in, in picking this job, so I'm sure he knew this was going to come, um, and I'm not excusing that in any way. Um, I think whether it's a Liverpool fan or an Everton fan is sort of a moot point and really doesn't matter. Um, it just, uh, sadly, I mean, this is what you're going to get in sports. I mean, you saw the, the Croatia game. You know, we talked about it a little bit on Discord. A lot of the Eastern European supporters have not been on their best behavior it just happens man in sports across the board no matter where you're from unfortunately
0: Yeah, I mean, so Gally, I mean, do you, why is this? <laughs> can you explain to us why people think or how can, how somebody can think? I mean, I've been mad. I mean, I consider myself, I mean, everybody kind of like leaves me alone when I watch a game because I kind of probably go over the top yelling and screaming and stuff like that. But I've never had the inclination, I've, you know, I've, I've gone to a ton of games, you know, it's one thing to yell for your team, yell against other team, but I've never got to even the inclination or the thought of being like destructive doing it, like physically or, you know, breaking things in the stadium, throwing shits and stuff like that. I just don't understand, like, what the hell is the mindset of these people doing it in the first place? And like, do you really think, I mean, I'm sure in some ways, and it is sad, it will probably have an impact on, his decision-making because I'm sure it affects his family. But what do you make of the whole deal? So
2: the whole, and I, I agree, I don't care if it's a Liverpool supporter and Everton supporter. You know what? A hundred percent is guaranteed, regardless whether they're a supporter of Tranmere. They're terrible fucking people. Like, let's just be real. They're threatening someone's life over taking a job and they're doing it. And it's not even like funny. So, I used to think the lowest common denominator in sports was sports talk radio, okay? And the reason I was, was it was like, it was basically like dudes in their mom's basement at like 40 years old waiting two and a half hours to talk to a person on the phone for 35 seconds to yell at a professional athlete who's not listening. Well, this is, sports radio has been completely removed by Twitter and the immediate gratification of making a mockery of yourself in the media, whether it's posts, Instagram people, shock value people, people who come out of the woodwork with racist and homophobic things just ludicrously during matches. We all know they wouldn't say these things in person. They wouldn't tell Raffle those things to his face or threaten him in front of him because as grown adults, he'd defend himself like any man would. And I think that's the real problem. The fans have just gotten to the point where they think their voice is so worth being heard, that they can be offensive, wrong, and violent. And there's going to be something big that continues to happen. And I just think that they have to find a way to eradicate it. And I think the first way you do is you figure out who these people are, you publicly shame them, and you call them out for their actions, you ban them from stadiums, and you you put it in the public eye.
0: I agree with that, actually. I just did not think of that. That is a good point. So all these people who would wait on hold for three hours don't have to anymore. They can just freaking hop on and put a comment and, you know, be done with it. And they can be... It's even worse because they would cut you off and probably, like, you know, dump you on the radio. Now you can say all the hateful stuff that you wouldn't be able to get away with on the radio on top of it. And it's just... I know it's kind of ruins the sport for me and ruins the sport in general for me not just you know like soccer and stuff because it happens in every freaking sport but i just don't understand the mindset of it it's just like almost like sad to see but at the same time it just affects it and then we ask players to be like loyal to the club or to be you know loyal to the fan base and stuff like that forgetting that these people are within that fan base You know, everybody is like, why would Genie leave for a bigger check? Blah, blah, blah. And stuff like that. Loyalty and stuff like that. These are the same guys, you know, like three weeks ago yelling at Genie because he's not taking a shot or he's passing it back and stuff like that. So it's kind of like goes hand in hand in terms of that. And it's kind of like really disappointing to see, I think. So speaking of social media and all that kind of stuff, let's talk about some more semi pleasant stuff compared to idiots making banners. Uh, let's talk about some of the transfer rumors that are out there. So, there are like fresh ones out this week since we last did the podcast. So, here's the thing: Paul, what do you like, make you of know, this dude uh, from Porto? We talked about in Discord, I know you were it so was, hot on he's
1: play. gonna be re- like, you know, we're gonna. It was Grujic for 20 million in this guy, and first of all. I don't believe that Grujic's value is high enough that we would get 20 million plus a player. I think it would be one or the other. We would get a player swap or 20 million. Like, in 20 million would be a lot for Grujic. I think he's valued under that. But anyway, um, I know I think for. It was
0: Grujic plus 20 million for that dude.
1: Correct. oh okay well that makes way make more sense, sense. Bridge, um, plus 20 million yeah that makes way range. more sense i like so here's the thing Correct. i don't think that player is a like-for-like player for genie he's way too offensive minded and he's not nearly good enough defensively in my opinion um and then the other report that i saw linking us to him was that he was depth for the front line for the front three which makes more sense um in terms of how he plays um yeah, I don't, I don't love it just because there's so many other tastier rumors out there. So, but like, I mean, what do I know, man? Like, I we do this every year and every year, I look like a, a fucking idiot because um, I play FIFA and sit on the couch and I don't do tactics. Um, but like, yeah, it, 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 I don't know, I don't love it. I don't love it. There's other players out there I'd like. I don't really. I mean, I know you guys are high on it. Well, I don't know about Gally, but I know you are. Tommoochin. I don't love Ronaldo Sanchez either. Like, I think he is a player that plays very well in international competition and for portugal but struggles with the physicality and the weather of the northern leagues um and even though he played in france and did well for Lille, i don't buy the fact that he's going to step into the Premier league and kill it i know he's still young and klopp will probably find the best out of him uh, but i'm just not over the moon about that one either Um, so yeah there's me just being my normal positive self
0: that was positive even mentioned your fifa performances as almost positive so i know that's way over the top well I, so that was I i got to clarify even even that, that i'm the playing the cpu i don't get online positive, and get so beat by you or some nine-year-old but in brazil so,
1: because like i don't need that in my life like i want to come home and unwind and win right like why would i just get online and get beat by a stranger or even worse somebody i know
0: Cause that's kind of like my fun there, Paul. You're just killing it over here. Just kill <laughs> joy killer. Hey, so you said some juicy ones that you like hearing. So do share um, with the class. What do you consider to be? I juicy
1: so this one hasn't been around in like. a long time, but I like the Sandbridge from South uh, Sheffield. Sandbridge from Sheffield, the Norwegian dude, I think would be a fantastic pickup. Um, I like Nina House, the German guy. I'm probably butchering his last name, but I like that player from what I've seen. I, I watched the Bundesliga a little bit, not a ton, but from what I've seen in, in, in the limited time that I've seen him play, I think he slots in nicely. Um, he's German. So Klopp will hug him like he hugs everybody else, but in a German way. Um, and yeah, so those are my two. Those are the two that kind of stand out for me. Um. But, you know, like we do this and then we're going to sign some dude that nobody has heard of, like, or somebody that was completely off our radar. That's fantastic. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because usually, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, the Porto guy was in the papers today, but it's just like with all the agents and stuff like that, it's like, who knows who gets these stories out to increase the value of their like, you know, player, or it's like, you know, we talk about it. We joke about it all the time. Like anytime we watch a game together as American scouts we always like throw names and throw hashtags, announce this guy, announce that guy and stuff like that. I'll be honest. Like I've said it. And yeah, we kind of like disagree on that. I feel like the Renato Sanchez would be a good fit for this midfield in terms of, you know, what we want out of our midfield and, I almost think like it would be like a Mo Salah-like deal where Premier League didn't turn out so good. Go out, do well, come back. Now you know you're what you're getting into. And I feel like he fits in terms of like what we would need. But like you say, I don't even know if there's any truth to that rumor or if it's something that, should I might have started it, I don't even know. So Gally, any out of these rumors that you're hearing or news that you've seen on Liverpool, it's really hard to differentiate rumor from actual news or interests you can say uh which one kind of like do you fancy the most
2: well i probably lean closer to you than paul as far as renato sanchez i think there's a shot he could be a positive and if he came in i think klopp would do a job with him and he does that type of engine like work and we saw it in the two starts he got for portugal i mean this is a man who kept bruno fernandez on the bench whether it was the right decision or not he did keep bruno fernandez off the pitch by his play in the second and third games. So I think he would be worth a shout. Um, I think the perfect signing, I think me and Paul had a conversation about this on Facebook right when I first was kind of introduced So I think Till- Tillemans from Leicester would be the ideal signing. I think he would lock in the midfield. I think he could do part of the genie job and go forward and offer a little bit of creativity and goals. And I think we're going to see with a Fabinho, Tiago slash Hendo midfield, Of two that they're going to be games where you have a guy going forward and pressing on there's going to be a game where you have you know the engine like genie and hendo in there and i think that we're going to find that there's going to be a little more fluidity in that midfield three which probably going to be four bodies rotated out through next year the other one that i'd love to see is i do want some cover up top whether it be You know, Rafinha on one of the wings, the young Brazilian winger from Leeds, if it's still a possibility. Um, Personally, everyone talks about Isak. People have talked about Daniel Malin. I would put my chips into the Mbolo wagon. He's been the most impressive striker in this tournament to me. Um, Actual skill up front looks like he could
0: play maybe in a Premier League-like style. So I would
2: look at a guy like Mbolo.
0: See, I think that brings... I, I loved watching Mbolo. I mean, I think the dude is everything that I was hoping Divock would evolve into over time with the speed and size. Bickler's already rolling his eyes when he hears the name of Divock. But my, I think we talked about this on the last podcast. The thing is, why would Mbolo come to Liverpool? Like, does it really suit his career? Whereas he can go to several other teams where he could actually be guaranteed a starting spot. I think that really limits our options where we cannot really guarantee a starting spots, especially for a young player. I would think that's something that's going to be a prerequisite for them when they're going to a team. Uh, I mean, The chance of coming to the Premier League and stuff like that, I mean, especially him, he's young as well. I always feel like a player like that is better suited to go to a team where they know they can start, prove themselves, and the next contract they go up to one of the big boys, like the big six and stuff like that. So, some
2: point, somebody's got to believe they can unseat Bobby Firmino. And at that point, the center forward spot at Liverpool Football Club is theirs to be had. And, you know, we've seen it. He's slowed down. He's changed his role. And maybe it's Jota. Maybe it's Salah through the middle. But I think as time goes on, these guys are getting older. At some point, a young striker is going to have to grab, have the cojones and grab the opportunity and go take five, six matches in a row and play. Some kid across Europe is going to have the guts to come do it. Because if not, we're just going to keep rolling through. I mean, is going to be 155, sitting 15th on the bench.
0: I don't think d is going to be here next year, actually. But, Paul, I mean, we talked about this on the last podcast when you were playing Unobomber in the forests of Michigan over there. Uh, what do you make of that? The fact that, you know, in terms of – Yeah, I mean, playoffs, that's – So,
1: that's a really good uh, point. Our limitations uh, and in terms The Taylorman Shouts, a great one by Galliad. Forgot that conversation. I think, honestly, that I was protecting myself from becoming emotionally invested in that transfer rumor because I like him so much. That it's it's hard for me not to really want that one to happen um but he's a he's a stud and a complete all-around midfielder I'd love to have um Daniel Mullen's intriguing I think he's a better tactical fit than Mbolo I like him better than I like to pay don't tell Megan that um and I think that she, I think that Daniel uh, Mullen would be a really really good fit and Mbolo um he struggles he struggles in the bundesliga to to for for consistency so that one's i'm a little shakier on he's not starting he's like i mean he's hit or miss um and he's more of a change of pace off the bench player if we were to buy him and i don't know if that's what he wants but i think it's a good point about jurgen klopp and i think you know i was pretty hard on him this year when we sort of analyzed performances because i think like his strength is sometimes his weakness in the fact that he believes in something so strongly that he doesn't make changes quick enough sometimes um, and that can pay off or it can really hurt you Um in that wheelhouse he prefers to play with a small squad that doesn't rotate very much and I think that's a really I think that's problematic in recruitment um, it's problematic in the fact that you've got somebody like Andy Robertson playing every single game you've got a front three that's played the better part of all the games for the last three years and then you're trying to acquire pieces that need to be convinced that they're going to see substantial minutes so I think that is a real problem
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that that's why it is kind of like tricky for us to be able to really get what we want or attract somebody that we are really thinking of, you know, that can get that role. Because yeah, like Embolo, I would envision him in that role in terms of being able to come off the bench and be like a totally different player that kind of like adds something to the game. But yeah, it goes back to, I don't know if we're going to, you know, be able to get it. So let me ask you guys this, and we'll kind of like finish off the week with this thought. Do we get any news between now and next week's podcast when we recorded recorded next Monday? Or are we pretty much waiting till after the Euros for any signing? Gally, what's your gut feeling on that?
2: I think we're waiting um, at least another week because I think we'll get fully past the Euros before major signings happen. Uh, we might get rumblings if one of these smaller deals with a player completely not associated with either of these tournaments, but the cope is going as well. So any South American players tied up. Um, so I just think now's the time they put guys on ice and they worry and they pay attention to these tournaments. They have the physios checking in every day. And I think it's more about like preparing right now for the boys who are here and thinking about guys that they want to sell and working on those deals. And then I think the buys will happen in those two three weeks between the 11th and when preseason really kicks off around like that. i think
1: time. i think there's it, we're not going to see how about you Bickler? are we talking about a sort of signing just next like week or is out and is completely done i just think that um there's too many moving parts involved i don't see it happening right now
0: I do agree to that. My biggest fear, I guess, is the fact that all these tournaments are still going on and these guys are playing all these games. And we have a – thank God we don't have as many players left involved in the Euros. Uh, And, you know, we do have a few in the Copa America as well. But, I mean, these guys are going to have a very, very short break before they start preseason and stuff like that. Hope it doesn't kind of, like, make it – another challenging season with like injuries and stuff like that. Hopefully we kind of handle things better and hopefully we kind of have a deeper uh, pool of players to go from and not like, kind of like run some of these guys into the ground, but it should be like a very interesting month, month and a half year. And I think, yeah, if everybody does wait till after the Euros and Copa America is done, it's going to be like a crazy two weeks where every day we could probably record a new podcast talking about the signings of that day. It's going to be nuts, but gentlemen, thank you for joining me and thank you all those for listening. Uh, We will see you guys again next Monday with our new podcast and based on our predictions, there won't be any new signings to talk about, but we'll definitely be talking about what's going to happen in the Euros. It's really picking up. So thanks again, everybody. And see you guys next week.